Hi everyone, and welcome to Time Spot on the Beat, a podcast presented by the New Straits Times, where we try to talk about everything sports. My name is Fabian Peter, and I have been a sports writer with the NST for the past seven years. Each week, we will be discussing various topics with sports officials, athletes, and even fans to bring you behind the scenes of what actually takes place in the world of sports. So sit back, folks, and enjoy the show. Alright, and today we have a very special guest on the show. Uh, he is a former national tennis player uh, who is still very much involved in tennis today. Um, so we've got Adam Jaya in the studio with us. Welcome, Adam. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. Adam, uh, let's start by maybe giving us a brief introduction about you know who you are, what you do. Let's take it from there, lah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I've been in national team uh, for juniors, for men's, for I think for at least about 20 years. Interesting way how I, how I picked up tennis was uh, in '92 when Malaysia won the last Thomas Cup. Yeah, okay. I was in Klang and uh, my parents was trying to find a badminton coach. Unfortunately, then at that time we couldn't get a get a badminton coach. There was a tennis coach called S. Sarwaraju. So that's how I started okay. playing and there was there was no looking back then of course yes it was there was football at times there was basketball at times but uh, yeah I went through tennis and uh, so I, I I stopped I stopped playing for the national team and also by myself uh, in 2014 started back way back in 2000 uh, with, the, with the junior national team with the Davis Cup Sea Games and Etesra came back in 2017 being the women's national coach okay. uh, till 2019 on and off after that I had some contacts with the association uh, and at the same time uh, I do a lot of development program for kids now and uh, on and off basis I do consult a couple of players here and there locally Okay, cool Adam, we're going to go into something a little bit different I mean, of course, yeah you know, you're, you're, you're a tennis player former tennis player and then, you know now you're into coaching and all those kind of things but see, when um, I looked you up there was something interesting that I thought, you know we should talk about it's something very serious, but I feel like, you know, people tend to not talk about it so much. And this is sports psychology. So as someone who has come through um, playing the sports as a player, you, you went into coaching. I'm quite sure you know a lot about how important sports psychology is. So maybe you can give us an introduction about sports psychology, what it is and how important it is in sports today? Uh, yeah, sports psychology uh, lately, it has to be in any athlete's training program. It was probably not back then in 20 years or 30 years ago, but uh, in, in any top athletes now, who's, uh, I mean coaches who's, who's training top athletes, it has to be in a program. Mm-hmm. So what is sports psychology? Sports psychology is, is a package of everything where you come from, I mean, biomech, physiology, uh, recovering from injuries, rehab, uh, mental training. Of course, you have the yoga and all these kind of things. So that that comes in, and they do a program for the athletes accordingly on what what their necessity is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be different for different athletes. It can be a ten second hundred meter run. It can be a five hours uh, Grand Slam match. So how do you maintain all that? And what this does to athletes is is help them being stronger mentally okay now with all the social media press you know unnecessary things how do they deal with it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, being under pressure with the crowd mm-hmm. yeah so as i said this has become a how do you say a new normal now okay yeah okay. For, it has to be in the training program of any top athletes okay but here's the thing adam uh how big is sports psychology 
here in Malaysia? To be very honest, I'm being an ex-athlete. I have been through the system of MSN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, MSN has has one of the work for me because I travel a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, based on facilities, it is world class. Okay. Yeah, they do have uh, sports psychology. It's a team. You know, they do it together. You got to share. Yes, it is there. But as I said, individuals have different different problems. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the sports psychology is in the system or or in in with MSN or ISN. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing here as well is athletes. Okay. You know, some I think. Athletes' education of sports psychology is also very important. Okay, we got to tell the athletes how important is sports psychology because some yeah. athletes say, "Are you this one just sitting down, listen and all?" No, you know, yeah, you, yeah, you might yeah. not see it now, but you might go in in a in a stadium where it's five thousand and you know, and you start shivering. Mm. That's when you see it. You see, correct. You know why I'm asking all this question is that we would like to think that we are on par with with everybody else, right? But when it comes to the big stage. We usually see our athletes fumble. I mean, we have the same facilities, but why is it like I can't help but think that something is not right somewhere, lah? Like you said earlier, you know, different athletes, different individuals, they've all got their own set of problems, right? So, do you think that more can be done or more should be done in in the area of sports psychology here in Malaysia? Yes, definitely. I mean, every. Everything, you know. I mean, talking on Djokovic or Federer, or even they're at thirty-eight, they still. They're, I mean, they say they're still learning. Hmm. You see, it's interesting question. In two thousand nineteen, I was uh, chosen by the OCM yep. to go to uh, Greece uh, for the NOA, where you know the whole 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 world representative comes and they talk about sports and this and that. So one very good thing that uh, one topic was very good that uh, I asked them was you know how does a nation like uh, okay let's look at the Olympics every time America China yeah. uh, Australia yep. how do they keep producing gold medalists how do they keep producing champions mm. you know so <laughs> I asked uh, one of the professor from Australia the first thing he he asked me is that is Malaysia a sporting nation hmm. okay so how can you answer that okay look we have been and we are still in the badminton world map yep yeah yep okay we have been and we are still are in the in the squash world mm-hmm. yeah okay hockey has been you know we used to normally qualify for olympics and this and that now it's it's becoming a little bit slow but i believe it's in good hands yep uh, okay so how do you make a country a sporting nation hmm. so that is from kindergarten from school hmm. so you know you introduce grassroots from there as well yep you know and with now like some sport for example i mean out, outside sport parents education is also very important okay you know i'm not going to put my kid outside at 10 o'clock oh, it's very hot lah mm. then my you know mm. my kid get dark and this and that but it takes a few people a, a group who can educate everything hmm. you know from psychology parents education structure of even if you play hockey if you don't make it what you're going to do hmm. if you know it's got to be done in schools yeah i guess i could relate to that because um see before i became a sports writer back when i was in school i was also playing sports and um something i noticed when i became a sports writer you know because i'm 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 going out there i'm meeting officials i'm writing about it right but i realized something see when i was back in school it's very different We don't have a, a a strong grassroots system in place. I dare say that because I went to a Kebangsaan school. I wasn't like representing Malaysia playing for Bukit Jalil Sports School or anything like that. But in public schools, you're not really um, 
out there training, you know, in terms of preparing yourselves for like your MSSM and, and all these kind of events because you're very much focused on your studies throughout the year. You probably play sports maybe in the first quarter of the year, right? And in that first quarter of the year, you're training really hard for the events, you're training really hard for the, for, for the tournaments and all those kind of things. But after that, you, you, you're not training anymore. You wait until the following year. And the worst part is you don't really have qualified coaches. Most of us train with our school teachers. You know, these school teachers would probably take some time off from whatever they are teaching and they'll come and coach the football team or they'll coach whatever team. So it feels like at the grassroots level, we are not being prepared for elite competition just yet. You know, unless you're, you're some of the lucky few that get selected to join a sports school, then you go through, you know, a top athlete's training and you're being prepared for that sort of competition. But it feels like we're losing out on so many raw talent because we don't have a proper development uh, uh, program. Then when they come in and, you know, they go through a system, it feels like they are not being um, prepared for the different types of challenges that, that they are going to face. And that's when I feel like, you know, now sports psychology comes in. So I'm going to give some examples and see if, 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 if you can probably say a thing or two about it. But let's look at our own athletes. Uh, I'm a badminton writer. So, you know, some of the references are going to be more on, on, on badminton. So recently, our former SEA Games champion, Eski Sona, was subject to racial abuse online. It feels like her, her performance, even her ability, was... Um, was affected lah okay it was quite clear because she played in the in the in the Sudirman Cup she was very poor and it felt like whatever happened totally just threw her off lah if there is a psychologist in the team how do they tackle an issue like this okay first uh, I would just like to relate uh, to your first question you know when you said that you were in school and, and things like that and uh, just to come back to what I say you see this is where sports education mm. Parents' education. I mean, let, let, let's face the fact. The structure of what happened to us 10 years ago or 15 years ago in school is the same thing now. Hmm. Um, okay, I'll, I'll take me as an example. You know, from standard one to standard six. Oh, okay, you got to go to school. You know, you don't miss school and this yeah. and that. And came to a stage where, you know, I had to train six to eight hours a day. Yeah. You know, how do you go to school when you hmm. have to train six to eight hours a day? I was practically off and on for what six years I was based in Amsterdam hmm. yeah things will flicker in parents mind now what happens now you know what happens if I don't make it hmm. if I make it okay fine you know I'm going to be a millionaire hmm. you know hmm. but hmm. I mean every player every tennis player's dream is to play a grand slam to be a Wimbledon yep. champion to be this to be that you know but I think everybody out there knows you know what is the ratio of making it instead of you know to be a top 100 tennis player in the world okay it, it is tough it is yep. very tough yeah so by educating the parents, the teachers in school, okay, even if you go through this route, you get a lot of opportunities out there. You, you still get to go get a scholarship to a local university. You get to play NCAA in America. With, with a good portfolio of what you do in sports, it's easier for you to get a good offer outside. Correct, correct. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So that is something where, I mean, yes, I try to educate, you know, the place that I work with, I try to educate the parents with this, mm. you know, because they come and say, hey, you know, training, training, then don't go to school, how? Correct. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. is, it has to be educated to everybody. Mm. You know, and I think it goes to other, any other sports as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
So we have to look how to make Malaysia a sporting nation. Hmm. You know, by making Malaysia a sporting nation, I strongly believe, you know, that we will achieve gold medals in the Olympics. Yeah. You know, be a top nation in, in the world for sports. Yeah. Yeah. Then comes to racism. Yeah. I mean, any athletes or all around the world, it's number one is no racism. Yeah. But. Uh, let's try and relate sports psychology to racism. Okay. What happened to Kisona? Okay. Yes, coming up from Sea Games, Sea Games champion, a lot of expectation. Uh, I personally watched every match of the Sudirman Cup, and okay. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> okay. You know, yep. from the whole Malaysian team. And look, the players that Kisona was playing, mm-hmm. you know, was top ten players. I mean, their rank was better than her. Okay. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. She was not expected to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but of course the ambient of team event, you know, got the whole team there, this and that. I would give her hundred percent effort. Mm. Yeah, and some top athletes, you know, you, you you can think of by being racism. Let's talk about Muhammad Ali. Mm. Let's talk about Lewis Hamilton. Mm. I'm the only black guy driving here, and this and that. But look what he's done. So yep. they have reversed it using sports psychology to be a better athlete, to be a better person. Mm. Yes, it's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it has to be taught in, in in this way. I mean, even if you look at football now, yeah, yeah, every month or every two three months, there's still racism. Correct. Yeah, it it has to be educated in a way. Okay, look, this is racism. Let's how do you fight racism through mental training? Hmm. Through you know what are the things that you can work on to you know get this off. Yeah, mm. what happens here is everywhere, every corner of of the papers of uh, social media, it was just you know banging, banging, and banging. Yes, I know it's not a fault, but you know these are these are the things. Sports psychology now has to. I think there's a new topic that has to be introduced: is press. How do you deal with press and social media? Hmm. Okay. You know, Man. which you know, twenty years or thirty years ago, you know, you don't even talk about social media. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. So how do athletes deal with social media? Mm-hmm. You see? So I mean, all of them are on it. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I I had one player to be honest. Uh, uh, I worked with him. Uh, me and Raju worked with him. Uh, we got in the top fifty, and he played the junior Grand Slam and this okay. and that. And he was actively on on social media. Yeah. Okay. You know, so there is a time frame. Yeah. Okay. I I don't want to see you at 10 p.m. I don't want to see you anything because I can see you if you're online. I can see you online. Uh-huh. Okay. You know I yeah. can see your last scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. On your IG story, what do you do? This I can see. So I don't want this. But yes, you cannot stop racism because the, everybody will still be talking about it. But you got to find a way and be stronger. How to overcome racism through. Mental or, or psychology. So, do you think it's it it's the role of the, you know, let's say you know they have a dedicated psychologist in the team. Do you think it's the role of the psychologist to try to to get these players up and running again? Okay, lah. Let's just talk about Kisona again. We're going back to Kisona again. She's definitely not in the right headspace at the moment. Uh, in fact, BM had to bring her back. You know, she was lined up to play in a in a couple more competitions after the Uber Cup as well. But because of her performance, they had to bring her back. So I don't know. Like now, bringing her back is that going to 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 hit her her morale or anything, or or is that necessary? And you know that she probably should be talking to somebody right now to build herself up. 
or you know is there a way to come out of this well again this is i mean the true story behind it i'm not too sure mm. but again this is up to individuals mm. yeah if if you ask me i mean my what what i suggest is that you see at the end of the day it's a package mm-hmm. you you can have the best mental trainer okay yeah but the athlete still doesn't want to do it what can you do yeah yeah you know yeah. you can have the best team mm. you know but the one that who's going to stand in the court or stand in the field still doesn't want to do it mm. you know what can you do mm. so it's more of encouragement uh getting her mental back i'm sure the team has talked to her okay yeah? of course uh if you ask me it is it is much better to keep going mm. because coming back here and then you know you, you you got to tune back your mental and even though in the sudirman cup where i think she won one match or two match i might be wrong but against japan or you know she put up a, a performance and she's i think only 22 or 23 yeah she's 23 yeah. you know and you have a good eight years ahead of her hmm. and i believe she can easily be a top 20 player in the coming years okay yeah hmm. but then again you see this is individual sports yeah yeah but yep. a lot of a lot of players when even they do individual sport they have a team behind them mm. you know mm. so of course a team of of psychology physios trainers uh, coaches mm. you know it's educating her you know motivating her yeah but in this situation the sooner she come back to the court mm. i think it'll be better for her i think we can look at some of the other um top athletes from around the world i guess in this sort of a situation like uh, you come from tennis background right so you know looking at top tennis players who have also gone through various uh, uh, situations like we're talking about Osaka and then in badminton we have uh, the world number one Kento Momota if you know what happened to him it's like and you look at where he is now you're like wow okay that didn't take too long you know he was involved in a near fatal crash last year here in Malaysia and then he went back to Japan he started training and then he realized there was something wrong with his vision and then he had to go for for an eye op and and you know he came back and of course he's he doesn't look like the player he was but hey he's pretty much up there again you know and back in 2016 he was banned by his association for 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 illegal uh, gambling you know he missed the 2016 uh, olympics so you look at these top athletes they also go through uh, issues and then they bounce back Like you were saying earlier, is this how you build yourself? Well, something related to both of them is that both of them are Japanese, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, nothing, nothing. I mean, <laughs> look, Osaka. I was a huge fan of Osaka when she came in. I mean, came into the scene when she started winning the Grand Slam and this and that. Uh, and she won her first Grand Slam. And while she was giving us the speech, you know, mm. the fan was booing her. Mm. Mm. You know, so I think that took. A lot from her, you know. Mm. I, it's, it's my first Grand Slam, mm. Mm. you know, and everybody is booing her because Serena Williams did this, Serena Williams did that. But uh, for me, oh, what Osaka did, she she claims that you know the press is asking too many questions. She feels pressure with the press. Oh uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Huh. So that's why she take the time off because she don't want to face the press. I see. Yeah. In my point of view, I think it's. It, it's not a nice thing to do. Of course, a lot of top athletes supported her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even some of the top tennis players supported her because you see, in tennis, after every Grand Slam match or yeah, basically after every match, if you're a top twenty or top thirty players, you get interviewed worldwide. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So one mm. of the things she said that she, 
she just couldn't stand the press with the questions and and that kind of thing. It was too much, lah. It was too much for her. Okay. Yeah. But for me, yeah, that's part of the game. Mm. You know, you see Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, mm. uh, Sharapova, Serena Williams. Mm. You know, they win 20 Grand Slams. You know, 15 Grand Slams. Mm. And they go into the press prepared what to answer. You know mm. what is this? Mm. And that is part of the game. Mm. You know, if you can't deal with this, look. I mean, she's good here. Yeah, she's she's won three Grand Slams now. Mm. Mm. You know, so dealing with the press is part of the game. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. <laughs> you said press. I was just going to ask you. Like, do you think the press is being too hard on all these athletes? I mean, the press is going to be the press, lah. You know, we basically report things as it is. We are very objective driven, but. You know, sometimes we 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 don't dive too deep into like you know how it's going to affect the athletes, lah. Personally, I would sometimes think about it. Like you know, if I'm working on a on a on a particular angle, right? I'll be like, okay, lah. Maybe you know, I don't want to be too hard or or whatever. But you see, we we can't always be like that because I think uh, our role as journalists, we have a responsibility, you know, to make sure that athletes are also held accountable. They are being funded by Malaysian taxpayers' money, lah. At the end of the day, right? So, but I, I, I like what you said. You know, look at players like um, Nadal, Federer. I'm a huge football fan. To anybody hearing, you know, I'm a United fan. And yep, you may give me hell for our five nil drubbing with Liverpool, but let's face it, United's coach is under tremendous pressure right now. The players are under tremendous pressure right now, but they got to deal with it, lah. And and let's. Let's not even talk about the UK press, lah. You read their reports. I'm like, man, if I'm an athlete, I probably wake up the next day and call up my coach and say, you know what, bro, I don't want to work today, lah. You know, but they got to do what they got to do, lah. And that's why they're being paid like half a mil pounds a week. So that balance, lah, I guess. Very good point. Very good point. I can uh, look. For me, part of being a top athlete is you got to know how to deal with injuries and press. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is, is very two two good things. Yeah. And then for men, of course, men when when they get start matured, when it comes to athletes, you know how athletes is drinking, smoking. Mm, mm. You know we got to also know how to deal with this. Okay. And for women, it's more of manicure, pedicure, or stylish. That also plays a very important role. As I said, whatever it is, you got to know how to deal with press and your injuries. Mm. Yeah. You have seen a lot of top athletes coming back from injuries. I mean, one of example is Federer in 2016. Yep. He took off 2017. He won how many Grand Slam? Two Grand Slam. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Then a very good example now is Emma Raducanu who won U.S. Open. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 Again, one week before U.S. Open, mm-hmm. she was playing a tournament where uh, my friend, Indonesian friend, played a tournament and she lost semi-final. And that's just a challenger circuit. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. And she lost in the semi-final. Okay. Okay. And then she goes to U.S. Open, plays qualifying. Till the final, didn't lose a set. Mm. Okay, mm. nobody expected her to win. Now, when she goes back to to UK, I mean, of course, yes. There's. I'm not saying that you you know you're not allowed to do this. She became a uh, overnight superstar. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you uh, schedule it? How do you plan it? Yes. Okay. I need to go for a press conference at 12. Before that, I know I got to do this. I got to do my routine. I got to do this. Yeah. Yeah, and being now a U.S. Open champion, mm. the expectation on her is, you know, she can't even bring her shoulder up. You yeah, know? yeah. That's the amount of expectation in the past two tournaments that she came back after U.S. Open. Mm. Yeah, mm. Uh, I think the w- first one she lost first round. The second one, I think she lost quarters or semis. Mm. 
But being a US Open champion Everywhere you go now People expect you to win Correct So then comes again mm. Mental Psychology mm. So it reverses back mm. yep. You know So how do you deal with this mm. And at the moment She's been working with a team For about 6 or 7 years If I'm not mistaken And that team Brought her to win US Open mm. And now she has fired the team Yeah yep. So same thing again When If you talk about Solskja mm. You know, when they lost five love, mm. everything was firing. <laughs> but now when you win three love against Spurs, yes, I know it's still under fire. Yeah. But where's the five love story? It's not there anymore. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yes, they're still talking, the management's talking, or Alex Ferguson is saying that he saved, he saved his job and this mm. and that. Mm. But it's about consistency. Yeah. You want to be a top athlete. You want to be a top team. It is about consistency. Yeah. You don't win US Open this year and then you go off. Mm. You know? Look, uh, Manchester United They have won what 28, 29 league I think they won 20 Yeah So it is that consistency yeah. Where people You know This is a team You know You just don't win one time And mm. you know So being a top athlete That's why Until today Being a tennis player Being a Federer fan He's gonna be 40 mm. Yeah Going for t- two knee surgeries He's got 20 grand slam yeah. What else he's got to prove mm. But no I still want to come back mm. You know, that's the hunger hmm. of, of, of top athletes that we want to see. Okay, Adam, I guess uh, we come to the end of the show. Great to have you, man. Really, really. Before we end the show, maybe, Adam, you can you can talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing currently. Uh, you know, in case... Uh, I, I I know before before we started, I had a little chat with you and you were saying that, you know, you're doing uh, grassroots development right now. So, in case anybody wants to reach out to you, if they want to get in touch with you, how can you do that? Yeah, well, uh, just so what I'm doing now is... Uh, yeah, I have a family business uh, which we do uh, jobs for TNB mm-hmm. in the power plant. At the same time, uh, I'm doing... I'm. <laughs> As, as what we've been discussing mm. for the past 30 minutes I'm doing more of grassroots and development trying to get as many kids into tennis okay yeah trying to get the numbers mm-hmm. yeah educate them educate the parents how how, how the structure works mm-hmm. uh, and uh, most of the time I'm doing the program in, in Shalam Club okay and also in Shalam area okay yeah So safe to say that people can actually find you. Uh, is 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 uh, is everything on social media? Like you know, can people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, you can get in touch. I'm I'm both on IG and uh, Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. My IG is uh, Lia Azura. Mm-hmm. My Facebook is my name, Adam Jaya. You can always reach up to me. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I do post uh, postings on, on, on my yeah. social media. You can follow me and uh, yeah, you can always look up to me. Anyway. All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Adam. And um, that brings us to the end of the show. You know, I hope you guys enjoyed it. This is Time Spot on the Beat with me, Fabian Peter.